It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking bags. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Pennies. I am Corey LaJoy here with my one and only friend, Mr. Chuck Bush. Mr. Ice Cold Takes, Jonathan Merriman, is out this week. He's getting, I don't know, some teeth work done or something. Root canal. Root. Oh. Rutabaga. Brutal, man. Yeah. I thought my weekend was worse, but his Tuesday has started off he's, not he's, so good. He's got ruptured nerves in his teeth. Speaking of ruptured stuff, the old battery on the old 7 Chevy Camaro ruptured about 60 laps in. What an odd, what a odd thing to happen. So, what what is that like when when that happens like are, what is your first reaction when like is it you lose power or like what happens? Uh my first reaction is what the fuck is going on <laughs> because like we we were in a just a dog fight of a match it was the 43 the 99 the 34 uh 37 was occasionally up there with us um and we were racing our butts off for like 20th to like 23rd or fourth and it was one of our better intermediate tracks i feel like we had a little bit of speed got the fence going uh, there was only a couple guys there, the eight and the five that were running on the wall wall. And I, I luckily was able to have some speed up there. So what had happened was we were going first stage. Great. Second stage, pretty good. Uh, last stage when the tire rolled out into the infield, that actually benefited us because we needed a caution. We were trying to go long caution comes out. Yay. We caught a break for the first time this year. We were running low on gas. So I flipped my fuel reserve switch. There's a fuel pump, like a little tiny box that fills itself with probably, I don't know, a half a gallon of fuel that you can run about two laps extra once your fuel pressure dies. Flip that, caution comes out. I'm like, perfect. Let me push clutch in and coast and save fuel like any other day, right? Push clutch in, flipped the ignition switch off like you normally do to shut the motor off to save the maximum amount of fuel. And when I did... It killed all the juice to everything. Helmet blower, ECU blowers, the dash went black. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Flipped it back on, praying that it would come back on. Well, sure enough, it did not. Uh, In which case, we had to get pushed, lost a couple laps, threw our good day away, unfortunately, and that's almost par for the course for the seven car this year. Um, We So then, come to find out, it ruptured a battery, which we're trying to dig in to figure out what happened. Um, but that, that's a good way to make your day go from pretty good to not so good fairly quick. But somebody who did not have a bad weekend was Mr. Rowdy, Bushy, McBush, Buster, birthday 400, boy. birthday boy, all the Bushes. Yeah. We're in Kansas Speedway this weekend with Kyle Bush sweeping the truck race, which I, the ending of that race was incredible. I mean, he like put his cape on and got up on the mm-hmm. wheel and then he turns around and he gets the job done on Sunday for the first time all year. Ten winners in the first 11 races. He almost had a full sweep of the weekend. He was one stage win shy in the second stage in the cup race that Kyle Larson won. So mm. Kyle, a Kyle, won every, every stage, stage of the of weekend. weekend at Kansas. Yeah. 
Man, I mean, where was Kyle Weatherman at? We only need him to <laughs> jump in there and steal one of those Xfinity Series stages. Actually, Xfinity wasn't even there. They weren't. They? It was just the trucks. Let's see what I pay attention Truck-y to anymore. Truck truckers. Man, well, he's going to be jumping on with us later in the show. We're going to have some fun with him. He's uh, he's an interesting guy, and I, I always like to pick on him a little bit with that rowdy energy, which, by the way, guys, tastes phenomenal. Does it? I have not had it It yet. does. So we actually did, last year, we did like a rowdy energy section uh, bit on uh, – on Sunday Money, we mm-hmm. did like a tester, so we had every flavor and we tried them. Uh, so he's getting some tr- good traction with that. He's getting some good traction with that 18 Toyota Camry, too, on Sundays. Back in victory lane, I'm sure that feels good. What did you think about that race this weekend? Because when – when so actually, when we when we swapped the batteries out, at the end – like then we're on our own lap, right, and we're running like 26th, 7th, and there's no reason to engage the pack at that point in time because all you're going to do is get in a wreck right. um, for no reason, right? You can't get you can't pass anybody, and nobody can pass you, so just be at arm's distance. Then the 20 spins out and collects both the JTG cars in the same wreck. So with, with saying that, when I'm looking at those restarts mm-hmm. or even when I was in the thick of it in the beginning of the race, I'm like, the guys up in the NASCAR booth got to be like pumping their fists like, yes, this is what we want with this package. Uh, which by the eye test, Chuck, those restarts of Candace checked out. That looked, uh, that looked pretty intense four or five wide racing. Um, granted there would maybe not have been a whole lot of positions gained or lost, mm-hmm. but by the eye test, there was a lot of cars in a small, a small space on those restarts. I will say, like you said, the eye test, it passed mine. Like, I was sitting, uh, it had been a long couple of weeks, so I was uh, sitting on my porch uh, having a cold uh, cold beverage of an adult nature. What does um, it, What does Chuck Bush drink? Um, well, I was actually drinking a, a Bushy uh, Bush. McBush. In honor of the Bushy McBush race, I had a Bush latte. Um, of course you that, uh, Hey, you know, look. Sometimes like it just appeals to like the inner redneck and in everybody it just does. to go, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 kind of my name except there, I don't have the C so yeah you know Chuck Bush. Bush. I had to lean into it. Uh, um, I, I do also. I, I I picked up a case of uh, Natty Light the other day because the the box was the throwback box. Okay, um, and I was like, oh, Darlington's coming up, so I'll get the throwback uh, Natty Light. Have that, you know. I'm all. I'm about packaging, really. At yeah. the end of the day, like the the bush bush race or the bush lights back in the day, when they have the the hunting cans, yeah, you know, the orange ones. Yep. I'm a fan of those with the with the camouflage yeah. where you can't really see what you're drinking. Yeah, it's just we, an invisible beer. We used to bush race people in college, um, where like if they're asleep, you go into the room and you shake up a bush beer and you open it. It's like, you just won the race. Woo! <laughs> so uh, I get, I would rather get, I would rather get sprayed by a bush light than have somebody sharpie me. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. It's Way definitely, you, you're a little bit sticky, but you can at least wash that off real quick. Right. Um, anyway, no, the race back to the race. It was, it was good. Like it kept me engaged even though I was sitting outside and dealing with a dog. Um, it was it, like, it was entertaining. It was, uh, you know, especially the end there. Like that was just all kinds of fun. The, the, sa- of fun. the save from Blaney. Like, well, I hate that he, he gets put in that, you know, so, like that restart. There were a couple of things going on there. Yes. Like you, you see Kyle, like, I don't, I couldn't quite tell. Was it Blaney that got squirrely or was it Larson that got a little too aggressive? Well, when Larson's tucked that tight 
in behind uh, Blaney, it's going to take a lot of the the pressure off the deck lid or off the spoiler of that 12 car. So it's in a in a particular arrow situation. It put Ryan in a bad spot, right? Because that five is packed under the right rear bumper of that thing, and it's going to take all the downforce out. So yes, in the grand scheme of things, that was a hell of a save, but it ultimately cost Ryan a shot yeah. at a good finish because he was up there all day. Especially he was also on on newer tires. Uh, like the two and some of the others, because the 18 who won was on old tires compared to the couple guys that pitted behind him. So that was pretty impressive. He was able to able to hang, hold off those guys. Um, man, I, I'll tell you what, Kansas is probably my favorite mile and a half. Yeah, it is almost like it's almost like a homestead, but the bottom has still it still has some grip. So it's going to be a couple more years before the top is really the preferred groove because Kansas. Uh, is really sensitive to direct sunlight versus shade. And we had about four or five transitions on Sunday where the sun came out and the oil and the, oil and the rubber for those first two or three lanes uh, knocks out a lot of grip so you can be really fast running the fence. And then when, come, when the shade comes down, track cools off a little bit and you can start making some speed with that second, third groove. So I love seeing the track take a bunch of swings and you got to stay on top of the track, stay on top of the weather. And Kansas, I think, is delivering – in a lot of those areas, which I won't say um, that my one of my favorite tracks is a mile and a half, but Kansas is up there. I think they just hit it right with the progressive banking, the way the radius of the corner is. Um, they hit it right with Homestead, and they hit it right with Kansas. Everywhere else, the wall doesn't really fit the radius of the corner. So, hey, Round of applause. Good on you, Kansas. I enjoy Kansas. Like, Kansas City is a great town. I like going out there. And I will say that before I worked for NASCAR, I was like, oh, these mile and a half, these cookie cutters. Then when I started working here and going to the races and seeing these tracks and seeing each one is unique, yes, they they are similar. They are similar, right? But they are unique. And, like, those mile and a half are kind of fun. Like there's some there's some times that yeah you get these long green flag runs but that'll happen at any race like Darlington is a unique awesome track but you're gonna have some long single fly, file oh, yeah. you're gonna have only a couple of cars on the lead lap like that's just that's that's the nature of racing yeah. that's what racing has been from the beginning yes except for super speedways where now it's just, if you stay tuned for later in the show you will realize that Johnny Mance beat the field by nine laps yeah yeah so if somebody let's just say Kyle Larson just pulls a belt tight and lays an ass whipping on the field and wins by nine laps. What do you think the what do you think would happen the next day in just the land of NASCAR? There would be outrage. The, there would the, be Twitter would be on fire. Twitter would be there the pitchforks would be out. The Jeff Gluck poll would be ninety nine percent no, and Kyle Larson would vote yes, and that would be your that would be your poll. But it's the same thing with Kyle Bush, right? Yes. So he is a polarizing character. Yes. And he he like you, you in the interview you talked to him about the white hat and the black hat. Yes, right? he was wearing a white hat. You're but, wearing a black hat. Yes, you know completely just, just, backwards. <laughs> or is it? Are you or leaning into the black hat? Who knows? Who knows? No, you're <laughs> no, you're not. You're he not. is the black hat, but, but we. It was backwards. Yeah. I'm wearing black hat. He wore a white hat. I was definitely confused. But we we love to hate something that is historic mm-hmm. and amazing. Like his run that he has been on, right? From his entire career. His whole career is just uh, one that is 
It's about winning, it's about racing, and it's about doing it his way. Mm-hmm. And what would the sport look like without Kyle Busch? It would be less. It would be way less cool. Yeah, it'd be vanilla. Yeah, like you need that. You need that in the sport, and it's it's going to touch people off, and they're going to get angry, just like the Kyle Larson winning by nine laps. Right, like that would set people off. But I don't think in the moment, in the moment, and you saw it with Jimmy Johnson too. People don't appreciate that greatness when they're watching it. No, they do not. And if someone won by nine laps, that is greatness, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Because especially now, if you put in an if you if second place was nine laps down in twenty twenty one, you one you're probably cheating. Yeah. Like that car. That's a, that's a T Rex car. There is nobody in yeah. the field that is nine laps better than the second place guy. <laughs> I, I I will go. I will. That will die on that hill. Yeah. Um, but. There are some guys that uh, have a little extra juice, uh, and and we're seeing that five car be strong this year. We're also seeing maybe a resurgence of Mister Rowdy. Hey, uh, so don't count him out. We've seen the eleven be strong each and every week, but he just can't get in victory lane yet. Now it's just a matter of time. Just shows you how quickly luck can change. So yeah. you can go from a ruptured battery one week to you know, hey, maybe you know, might might slide in, might slide saying. on for for a good finish. That also goes to show. That there are a million different ways you can lose a race, but there's only one way you can get in victory lane in the Cup Series, and that is be perfect. Uh, because there are so many ways, um, there are so many ways to, I mean, piss it away with mm-hmm. a bad pit stop or losing track position or making a bad call on a restart. Like there are infinite amount of things that you can take take yourself out of winning a Cup race. Now, granted, I obviously haven't got uh, a weekend put together where I can get in victory lane yet, but we're working on it. Slowly but surely. But this week, Chuck. It's a big week. This is a big, big, big week. Why? Because we are going into the future with the next-gen body reveals, Mm -hmm. which will actually be today. It is today, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. You can go on NASCAR.com. Where else is it? Uh, Check it out on NASCAR.com. There will be a live stream 3 p.m. Eastern. It will also be on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. All the places. All the places. Streaming. Streaming. Twitching. Mm-hmm. All of it. So, you know, big stuff coming with uh, the car. What? So we have the, all three OEM body reveals. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Chevy, Ford, and Toyota, obviously, guys, who haven't been following for the last 10 years in the sport. Um, and the next-gen car, they're revealing essentially what we're going to be running, what you're going to be seeing on the racetrack. Probably looks something similar, but going to look a little bit different. And I'm excited to see that. And then we fast forward four more days to Sunday, and we're going throwback racing again at Darlington. They moved it from the playoff race. Now we have two dates at Darlington, which I love, by the way. Throwback race, Mother's Day weekend. It just feels right. It does. It's it's one of those things. I when I first started the the lone race at Darlington was the spring race. Mm-hmm. That was back, I think, when it was the uh, Showtime. The Showtime Mothers was it, was it, wasn't it the Showtime race then? I don't know. Ah. I don't know what that means. Showtime, like the the the, the, the not the series. It was like the Showtime Inside NASCAR. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, I think they they sponsored the race for a little bit. Oh man, you've been around this for a minute, Chuck. It's I am in year eleven, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Season vet. Hey, it's starting to feel like it a little bit. You're starting to look like it. Yeah, I know. I'm getting gray hair. <laughs> Me too. It's, crazy. it's funny how one one more pops up every weekend. Yeah, like I can yeah. be like, oh yeah, that's a new one. I can okay, that one's Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that one was Talladega. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. yeah. 
Um, but so the next gen car, like this is now the I think seven, gen seven. Yep. Um, we've been testing it for a while now. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten any insight on the testing? Like, what are you hearing about it from guys that have gotten behind the wheel? Um, what are you liking? What are you what are you what are you looking forward seems, to? Seems seems as though so. It's going to be drastically different, guys. There not there's not going to be one piece that you can transfer besides a seat and a steering wheel from the existing car to the new car. Um, it's going to be independent rear suspension, transaxle. Uh, it's going to be some new uh, front end suspension layout. It's going to, instead of a steering box out of like a 1974 Monte Carlo, it's going to be a rack and pinion. Rack and pinion. Rack and pinion, which is pretty much in every car you see on the road nowadays. Um, so NASCAR is trying to get a little more up to date with the actual chassis. And then that way the OEMs can just justify the amount of money they're spending the sport with development. And hopefully Chuck, that entices another manufacturer or two to get into mm-hmm. the sport because when the sport was thriving at its highest mid two thousands area, maybe even before that, there was multiple manufacturers. We had Pontiac, we had Oldsmobile back in the day. We had Dodge was a big player in the sport. Wins the championship, throws her hat in the ring. Okay, guys, we're out of here. Good job. Uh, I miss Dodge. Yeah. I miss Dodge. Those were some sexy cars. They were some sexy cars. And and that a 2021 Charger Hellcat would look nasty on the grid. Uh, but, hey, who knows? Who do you think, Chuck, if, you, if we were spitballing some uh, hypothetical – OEMs to come to the sport. Now you see on Reddit and some guys are talking about Honda. Some guys are talking about Volkswagen, mm-hmm. all of which would be great additions to the sport. Who would be your Who would be your optimal choice for a next OEM to join NASCAR? Volvo. Why? With a station wagon? I drive one. <laughs> <laughs> a Subaru? No. I mean, they do uh, They do race Volvos in, uh, I think, the touring car series in England. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you've also got, like, your – I mean, I'd like to. I honestly, I'd love for another American manufacturer to come, you know, come back in, like, uh, you know, get get Dodge back out there. But I'd kind of like to see maybe a BMW or an Audi or something, uh, something fun. You know, not not that the other ones aren't fun, but I like. I would like to see several different manufacturers out there, other yeah. than just three. I'd, like, I'd love to see like five. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see somebody riding around in a Jetta. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> like a hatchback Jetta or like one of the <laughs> yeah, like a GLI dur- turbo diesel yeah. out there. But I think that uh, NASCAR has a little work to do in terms of the engine build, right? Because when you go to a Honda, when you go to a Volkswagen, yeah. and ask them to join the sport, they're not going to develop a specific uh, what what is it? A, a just a small block push rod V8. Nobody's yeah. they're not going to do that. So once NASCAR figures out what their direction is going to be. Uh, in the future for the power plant or for the power, I, I guess it'll be some sort of a hybrid model here in the, the next three or four years. That might be a little more enticing for a Honda to jump in or somebody else uh, because now the cars are all single source manufacturer. You go buy your lower control arms from bow down the street. You go buy your chassis from Technique. You buy your body parts from this guy. And the overall arching theme of this is it, is it supposed to be a little more even. So Which, you're saying it's it's stock? It's not ain't nothing stock. Well, I mean, about a stock but, it, but if, if, if they're all coming from roughly the same place, it's going to be about fit and finish, right? The, right, the teams right, with right. with better engineers, better people are going to be assembling those cars. Uh, 
a little bit better than the, the guys that don't. But so. that's a, that's the thing from back in the day. Like you could you could go to the showroom, pick up a car, and then what you're in like you have a Bud Moore that yeah. knew how to like tune stuff and get it. Like he could get, I think it was in World War II in a Jeep. He could get another five mile an hour out of the Jeep than any other uh, guy yeah. that was working on it in the motor pool. So, yeah, I mean, that's right. It all comes down to the people at the end of the day, but the pieces that are there are a uniform, more uniform pieces. It's how you set it up, get it together. That's where that's right. the racing comes in. All right, Chuck, I could talk about next-gen stuff with you all day, but right now we have our pit road boats and woes analysts on the line. Let's get them on here, Ryan Flores. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Each and every week, my good friend Ryan Flores, front changer on Brad Keselowski's Blue Deuce, jumps us on here for Pit Road Boats and Woes. What are you doing this morning? I was hearing Jim, getting uh, trying to get a little bit better. What does that consist of? So today we watched the film. I came in, put, didn't have a great week in uh, in Kansas. Put in some work going to our uh, our toughest racetrack as far as pit, pit crews are concerned, going to Darlington and uh, I try to get the W there. But yeah, we uh, today we're just watching some film, putting a little bit of extra reps, and uh, and we're just hitting the gym now. Well, Benny, hear any meatheads in the background? That's why. Mm. What does I mean? What does a workout look like for pit crew members? Today we're on the clock. We're doing uh, fifty second intervals with a kind of a, kind of different stations, three and three to a group bench press, uh, a little bit of core and a little bit of shoulder mobility. But more this time of year, you're just trying to build a little bit, but maintain, keep your joints healthy, um, keep your hips hips flexible, shoulders flexible. So that's the type of stuff that that tends to get tight this time of year. Um, as we get into our, our long stretch here without an off week. 15 weeks straight uh, a couple weeks ago after that off week in, in Easter. So we're 11 races in. How tired or are there any injuries that guys are nursing this point of the year just trying to uh, to recover? But it's hard to, get, hard to get recovered when you're going back-to-back back each and every week. Yeah, the things that I deal with mostly are like sometimes you'll – it's things you don't really think about. You like pulling your button when you when you pull the tire and you go to change from off to on. You hit your button a little crooked and your hand will get bruised pretty bad. But you don't get enough jam in your fingers, stuff like that. Uh, if you get a lug nut that rolls in your knee pad and you sit on it, you get a bruise there. It really doesn't go away during the stretch because you have no time to uh, to nurse it because you got to you know you're 
put in the work of practice and we, we compete here um, during the week to try to simulate races. So, so yeah, you don't really ever want to take time off. You don't ever want, you know, a lot of these cup guys, they're not going to give up any of their reps to the guys underneath them. They don't, they don't want to, uh, they don't want any kids to shine. So, uh, so yeah, you're playing hurt quite a bit, but just nagging injuries mainly, nothing serious this time of year. Until so you get to the chase when you start feeling yourself really start to tighten up. But get to the chase, start getting colder out and start feeling all the aches and pains they had built up in your 33 year old body. Oh, yeah. The big talking point this week on Pit Road, the Pit Road Woe, was a uncontrolled tire that rolled into the infield, which brought out a caution after everybody had pitted, which brings up the debate. Now, I don't want to beat this dead horse because everybody's talking about it and everybody's debating it. Does it bring out a caution? Does somebody go get the tire? Is it really a safety hazard? When really and truly, the guys that would be in harm's way are guys that would be on pit road if that tire had rolled or got hit. So what is your opinion on what should have been done in that particular situation? So I think I think NASCAR is pretty consistent with it, right? When you see um, stuff like that that happens and a tire gets out in the grass, unless there's a, a situation like there was years ago where Jimmy Watts was a 47 car ran halfway out into the track there at Charlotte to get it. They threw the caution. Um, they, they made it known to not go get your tire after that just to let it go. Uh, but they let the cycle play out, especially if it happens at the beginning of the cycle because – what teams will try to do is when they see that, they'll just run long and they'll get the hell you get half the field or the whole field to lap down if you're banking on that caution coming out. So they let it play out. And then once the cycle's completed, then they'll throw the caution, which I understand it from a competition standpoint. Um, but I also on the soft end to say the safety hasn't been the direct field of play. Not really. Is, is it, is it one of the million that things going to get hit? Um, flying at people, right? Those things are, are not light and they're very dangerous. So that, that's a debate that's over my head. I, I kind of like that they do it. Um, I kind of like that they let, let, the, put, let the, the run play out, but also guys like you would probably help if they threw the cautionary. You could kind of play that uh, strategy-wise. It, it did help a little bit. Ultimately, uh, it didn't matter in, in my particular case. But, I mean, here's my opinion, and you tell me what they should do or should they I think that they should get all the NASCAR officials around, still under green, and play a rock-paper-scissors tournament elimination until the last guy that loses, or maybe the first guy that loses, has to go out and get that tire. That's what I think they should do. No no caution. If you can't settle something, if you can't settle something with rock-paper-scissors, what can you settle it with? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, definitely, but you definitely can't settle it. At the end of the day, if you, if you start seeing where they're going to throw a caution every time a tire gets out in the grass. How long does it take for someone's teammate who's wrecked or running on a lap down to just roll tire, a tire out there. in the grass and their guy needs to win? You know, right. like you've seen cup teams do more desperate things than that to win. So you also got to value uh, the competitive side of it as, as well as the safety side of it. I think they do a good job with it, but um, but it depends on what truck you're standing on and, and what what uh, what benefits you of what side of the fence you're on on this one. It does. And uh, it certainly did not benefit the five. He did not need to see that caution. Most dominant car of the day. That pit road woe bit the five car, ultimately. Uh, then there was some uh, varying pit strategies that ultimately buried the five. He's kind of the sitting duck when he's the leader there. Uh, and I think all the way up to about six um, stayed out. And then guys behind him pitted. And ultimately, a couple of those green-white checkers 
made the five and some others come down and pit, lose their track position. So we saw the 12. If you saw, look at that, I have vested interest in this here because we were the first one on four tires, right? Um, we get to third. We get to third. We choose the top lane. Now, the second one on, on four tires is the nine car, right? Yep. So as you well know, the most important part, and this is not a pit road, a, a pit road woe by any means, but the most important part of these late race restart, late, late, you know, late in a race is the restart. I mean, if you lose momentum on a restart, you can go from leading to 20th in a lap. And we've never seen that in years past. It, it's crazier now than it's ever been, but we're in a good position. Well, the nine car is behind us and he lays back coming to the green on that second to last restart. We have to throw a late block and it kills the whole top lane. And that's how the 18 ultimately clears the five. Eight, on the same tires as the five there. Yeah. So, you can almost blame it on Almost could. You can blame it on anybody. But regardless, we're talking to that winner here later in the show, Mr. Rowdy Bushy Bush Race winner. Bush- hey, big, big thing to take up, big thing to pick up on there is they have a rookie front tire changer this year. Cam Waugh, who was their front tire changer forever, got hurt and uh, has not been in. So, they have a guy that, that's a rookie um, that has stepped up and has uh, – you know, got his first win. So that's been big for those guys. You know, they started off a little rocky, but now he's settling in. He's becoming a top 10 guy on pit road. So good on them, boys. Well, I mean, that must be the difference. I mean, Kyle Bush couldn't get it must done be. for the last year and a half, and they get a rookie tire changer and brings him to the front. That's it. Well, there you have it. Some fresh blood. <laughs> Some fresh blood. Mix it up a little bit. Pit Road Boats and Woes with Ryan Flores. Thanks for hopping on. Summer is the perfect time for a road trip or an outdoor excursion. But first things first, you need to make sure your car is good to go. Luckily, Amazon's Drive Into the Outdoors event is happening now, where you can save up to 20% on car parts and accessories. Truck bed covers, jump starters, car care, motor oil, and other essentials for outfitting your vehicle. Visit Amazon.com slash Drive Into the Outdoors. That's one word. Drive Into the Outdoors to shop. Amazon's Drive Into the Outdoors event runs until June 30th, and there are new deals every day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, guys, I've been looking forward to this interview all week. Friend of uh, myself, but now he's a friend of Stacking Pennies. Welcome. The first time winner this year, Rowdy Bush. How you doing today? All right, man. How you? How's it going? I'm doing well. Do you, did you wait all year to win just so you could first win the Bushy McBush race 400? <laughs> I wish that was the case. Um, you know, I... I felt like we had a shot to win at Atlanta and I kind of screwed that up just based off of uh, speeding on pit road and having a penalty late in the race and not being able to re- recover from that as fast as we needed. But uh, you know what, this, the, the rest of them didn't quite go as good as we wanted in order to be up front enough to win. Um, but Kansas, we, we stuck around all day. We ran top three all day and we won a stage. So I felt like it was a legitimate, a legitimate shot that we had to, uh, to win that one. And it just all worked out for us at the end there with all those restarts. Yeah, that got uh, that got pretty wild. But man, I wanted to dig in. The last couple of years have not been uh, we have not been used to seeing the 18 car in victory lane as often as we have been used to. Uh, and obviously, this high downforce and low horsepower package probably doesn't exactly fit uh, how. I mean, we're going to Darlington this weekend with a short spoiler and big horsepower, and I'm certainly looking at you to you to run well. But uh, man, I wanted to dig in a little bit because, granted, when you go over to Kyle Busch Motorsports, you see over 200 trophies on the wall. Does that in itself allow you to kind of keep your self-confidence up? Or I mean, I know you're not one short of self-confidence, but do you ever uh, kind of get down on yourself when you're not winning as often as you think you should be? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, you do. You know, obviously, there's a lot of things and a lot of different circumstances that can kind of go against you and beat you down. But um, you know, you try to be as best spirited as you can be, but when you're running as hard as you're running, you're doing as much work as you're trying to be doing in order to, to be successful. And, you know, your team guys are busting their butts on the cars and everybody at Joe Gibbs racing is doing a great job trying to make the whole program excel and you not winning very often. It certainly makes you question whether or not it's you, especially when your teammates able to go out there and run strong and run well and be faster than you and win races, you know? So um, if it was, if it was all of us, I think it was 2014 where, um, I won one race, Denny won a race, but it was at a speedway race and nobody else at, at JGR won. I mean, that was a bad year. We only had two total wins. And so that one, it didn't make me feel as bad because I was like, okay, well, we're all off the company's off, you know, but, um, when you have Denny last year winning eight races and then Truex only won one, I only won one. So um, that was a little bit of a, a weird situation, but, uh, he's obviously Denny, the 11, they've obviously been carrying the torch for us the last couple of years, but it'd be nice to get the 18 back up in there in order to have, um, you know, equal results and, um, and us back in victory lane. That's what I was going to lead in to ask you here. What do you think that 18 team and yourself need to work on to get yourself? Cause I, I wouldn't think that you yourself consider yourself championship contenders at this exact moment, but what are some things you guys are working towards to, to make a push for holding that big trophy at Phoenix? Yeah, I think some of the stuff right now is trying to figure out the 750 package. We um, Last year, I felt like we had a huge struggle with the 550 stuff. We were just not very good. We'd get run over on restarts. We'd get sucked backwards. Even if we got up front with a good pit stop or pit strategy or something, 
we would still fade, you know? So um, now I feel like we have the pace and we have the speed that we're actually passing cars and getting up to the front. So that's a, that's a positive for us. Um, we still don't have the lights out speed like the five car does. He's just really, really fast at all the mile and a half so far this year. Um, but the biggest thing is the 750 package. We're kind of, um, I don't know, we're probably fifth, sixth, somewhere in there to, to eighth or ninth. Uh, we're just not quite the, you know, the dominant guy of being able to be up front leading laps, um, you know, similar to 2018, I think it was 2017, 2018, when we were talking about the big three, it was me, then uh, me, Harvick and uh, Truex. And so it'd be nice to kind of get back to that where uh, we're one of those guys each week that uh, are highly talked about. Obviously, the show is called Stack and Pennies. And when you say that you feel like you're a fifth, sixth place car on those 750 high horsepower, low downforce tracks, what are some of those small details that, uh, you know, are found in the wind tunnel, maybe a little bit of rear compliance to get some grip or maybe in the shocks? What are some things that you feel like are those little pennies that can take you from a fifth place car uh, to being a big three again? Yeah, I mean, it's all of the above. I mean, it's everything. Everything makes um, a race car go fast, right? Whether you get more downforce and you don't have the mechanical grip, you're still going to go faster. Whether you get more mechanical grip out of some of the the setup changes or chassis changes, then you're going to go faster. So um, to me right now, what we're struggling with is just the long run pace. We seem to uh, blow the rear tires off the car. So like even at at Richmond, at Martinsville, we were blowing the rear tires off the car. We just would lose forward bite after about 30 laps and, and we'd really be trying to hang on and, and couldn't pass. You can't pass anybody, you know, when, when you're sitting there hanging on and trying to keep the tires underneath you and, and you're just not going forward. So that's the biggest thing right now that, that I feel like on those, on those tracks. Now what's going to fix that. It's, it's everything you just said, you know, whether it's rear suspension or shocks or, or spring or even putting wedge in the car to keep the left rear attached throughout the run longer uh, more rear downforce, all that stuff. So, uh, we're certainly working in all of those areas to try to figure it out. We've got a couple ideas for what we want to do for the more short track races. When we get to those like Loudon, um, that's our next true short track with the 750. So Darlington's kind of a hybrid. It's a bit of a mile and a half or so, um, you know, it's, it's kind of getting back to 2018 a little bit. So hopefully we can have some of that, uh, that, that same speed. I think, you are personally underappreciated by the fan base because when they interview or when they introduce Kyle Busch any given week, there are a lot of boos and a lot of cheers. But you are the villain. You're the black hat, and I've always loved that, and you've embraced it. And I love when you get out and just do the crybaby. Where did that even come from, and why do you keep sticking with it? <laughs> well, the I, I guess I wore the wrong hat today. I did have a black one that I was contemplating wearing and um i I should have went that route uh but overall yeah i mean just the biggest thing to me is uh the crybaby thing came from chicagoland where larson and i were battling for the win and he hit me and i hit him and and i was able to win the race but i got out after the race was over and just a sea of booze you know they they didn't want to see kyle bush win they wanted to see kyle larson win you know the the guy that wins too much we don't want to see him win we want to see the guy that that doesn't win a whole bunch. So um, the during the whole interview on the front stretch and TV interview and um, radio interview and all that stuff, just fans just heckling, you know, and, and booing and whatever. And they're crying. They're crying that I won the race. They're, they're crying that their their guy or 
or they're they're whining about the guy that did win and, and not the guy that, that they thought wanted they that they wanted to win. So same thing happened at Kansas. There's this guy in the grandstands just heckling the whole time and whatever, whatever. And so um, all they want is attention. So you give them the attention and just let them know that that you hear them. And obviously, I'm always known for being crybaby, I guess. And so um, I don't know whether I get it from them or they get it from me. <laughs> well. And and, uh, and I, I love it because it just it riles the people up, and the people that are wearing a, a, a yellow eighteen shirt love it, and the people who are che- cheering against it really gets them fired up. But uh, it was hey, it was your birthday on Sunday. Congratulations on the big three six, as well as fun fact, you were undefeated on your birthday. That's an interesting fact. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. I had no idea. No, I, I, I didn't know. I even went back and looked and I was like, wait, I thought I raced on my birthday in the Xfinity series years ago. And, um, I, I, it was May 1st that I found, I did not find one that was May 2nd. So, yeah. Yep. So you are undefeated on your birthday. Um, and I'm, it probably wouldn't surprise me if you're undefeated on any other holidays as well. You were also another fun fact. You were the only multiple time champion active driver in the sport. Do you know that? I did know that. Yep. Of course you did. Um, well, you should, rightfully so. But, I mean, you on paper is – you can make the case that Kyle Busch is the best NASCAR driver of all time. And there's going to be some people that are going to be up in arms about – I just said that. Look at the stats, guys. It is unbelievable. So, I, what, when I say – or what I'm asking when I say that is when you're done, when you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I've, I've got my fix – of NASCAR racing. How do you want the fans to remember Kyle Busch? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, to me, it's, I've not always done the, the smartest of things or the best of ways with, um, you know, how I've handled myself post races and, and, and whatnot. But, um, to me to be remembered after the fact is just, like you just said, you know, to, to be regarded as one of the best, I, I don't necessarily think I'll, I'll be the best. I don't know if you can ever decide who is the best, you know, uh, there's too many different outlying factors. I mean, Richard Petty, I think last won a race, uh, in 1984 and, you know, his, his streak, his, his 18 year streak ended in 77 and he last won a race in 84. I don't know if he won between 77 and 84. I haven't done that much research, but if that's the case, I mean, the guy went, you know, six years without winning a race. And that was the time in which Earnhardt was coming in and Earnhardt started winning and being good. Earnhardt won a championship, uh, I think in, uh, 70, was it 79 or 82, one of those years. And so, um, you know, it's just interesting to look at and have that debate with the fans. And so to me, to be remembered as one of the best is certainly cool. Um, I'd love to be able to get to in a perfect world, if I had to say, you know, like, Four championships, five championships would be that that number that I'm looking for. Um, and then trying to get to 100 race victories would would certainly be, um, you know, icing on the cake. So you're at 58 right now. It's not far-fetched to get to 100, but you're going to have to go on a little bit of a roll. How probable I – mean, are you just going to race till you're 50 years old till you get that 100, that 100 win mark or what? No, uh, if, if, I've, if I've gone two or three years without winning, it's, it's time to be done, I guess. You know what I mean? So – uh, especially if my teammates are winning, if I'm at a, if I'm at Joe Gibbs racing where I, I plan to be forever here, um, then, you know, it would be, it would be something else for me to have to step away. But, um, you know, I, I feel like a hundred, 
couple of years ago, 100 was achievable. If you could go on the five-win season each year and, and you could make it to that point, uh, you can even kind of bank on those high years. Harvick last year, he won nine races. Like, those are the kinds of things that you need. You need five-year, five-win seasons every year, and you can bank on a couple nine-win years through there. You'll get there, you know. Um, so that would be remarkable. But uh, for some reason right now, we're, we're, we're averaging less than that. So we've got to turn up the wick. Well, if anybody knows how to turn the wick up, it's you because you are on a 17-year win streak. The only person with one more is Richard Petty. So that uh, I think that record is going to fall in your favor uh, without a doubt. But before you go, every week we do a would-you-rather question. So are you ready? Yeah, oh yeah, let's do it. Okay. For an entire month, would you rather eat nothing but M&Ms or drink peach mango rowdy energies? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, why'd you pick peach mango? By the way, I don't know because I was drinking one last week and it tasted quite nice. Oh, okay. Um, what's your favorite? Hey, what's your favorite rowdy flavor first? All right, my favorite rowdy flavor. Um, I like them all actually. Um, and what's weird is like orange is not one of our best sellers, but I would actually say I probably favor orange the most. And then um, right after orange, I'd say is chiseled ice. Okay, all of which taste taste good. So, would I rather eat M and M's for a month or drink peach mango rowdy? Yep, or or orange, whichever your favorite. I mean, it sounds like one hell of a deal to have both of those. <laughs> so, if you're if you're <laughs> taking one away, um, man, I'd probably go with uh, I I'd go with doing the rowdy diet just because. Um, I feel like I would need something to drink if I was just eating M and M, so I'd rather just be drinking. All right, that well, okay. Let me let me add on a little caveat to this question. How long could you sustain a rowdy energy and an M and M's diet? Um, I would definitely still have to continue working out every day, uh, which I'm I'm doing, and um, yeah, I think um, I wouldn't recommend that that diet to be sustained for a long time. I do enjoy my, my, uh, my rowdy nation fans that always send me photos and pictures of everybody that are eating M&Ms and drinking rowdy and going to the store, actually Hy-Vee a couple of weeks ago, they did a promo deal where uh, if you bought a, a big share size of M&M bags that uh, you get a free rowdy with it. So we're teamed up with M&Ms really well on the, on the, the grocery store front. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of good work and um, you know, we're, we're seeing some boom and looking forward to keeping that going. Awesome. Yeah, it, uh, that, that seems like it's going well. Maybe tell your fans to sprinkle in some spinach every now and then. Give it some greens if you're doing on the rowdy M&M's diet. Number, question number two, Southern 500. It's about 92 degrees outside. Would you rather run with no helmet blower or no radios all day? No com crew chief or spotter communication? Um, I would, I would, if, yeah, if it's hot outside, I'm definitely going to need a helmet blower. Um, for some reason, then the older I get, the hotter I get, I don't know what it is. I, my wife tells me the same thing. So, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, going to have to go without the crew chief or the, or the spotter. I I'll, I'll fend for myself out there. Just give me some hand signals. Yeah. Just pit, pit whenever there's a caution or when everybody else does. What, I'll pit whenever the tires don't feel good and just give me four more. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, man. That's Darlington this weekend. It's going to be like that. Are, would you do like the left hand down on the door, left hand on top for the window for loose? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't I don't know which way it's uh, the old-fashioned way is. I don't know if it's on the roof for loose or on the door for loose. But, yeah, we're, we're going to definitely science that out. 
For sure. All right, last question. It's not a would you rather, but it's if you had to pick one car and one track to race at for the rest of your life, what are you going with? Oh, man. Um, whew. Um, I would say super late models for sure. Those are just fun cars. Um, Glad really you said it. I was hoping. Tubers. As far as yep. the track, man, you can go to so many different places with those things and have a good time. As, as aggravating as Pensacola is, it's still fun when you get it right, obviously. So, um, you know, Winchester's another one that's super cool. Uh, love going to Winchester. Uh, when we raced at the Milwaukee Mile, that place was really fun and a super as well. So really hard to decide on a track. But um, uh, I might just uh, – just to answer the question, I might just go with Pensacola, you know. If, if I'm only going to be able to race that car at that track, I better be able to do it during Snowball Derby weekend. Might as well. I mean, you are a, what, two or three-time Snowball Derby champion? Uh, two for sure, I think, yeah. <laughs> and there's no telling how many got disqualified or where you ended up. Yeah, I did get thrown you... out a couple, yeah. And my car's been thrown out of a few, too, yeah. So, yeah. well, yeah. you know, old Ricky Brooks, he runs a tight ship down there. So, there you heard it from the man himself, winner of the Bushy McBush Race 400, Mr. Rowdy Bush. That's right. All right, man. Hey, thanks for jumping on Stacking Pennies. Uh, good luck at Darlington this weekend. No problem. Thanks for the invite. You have a good yeah, show. Buddy. Thanks. The fastest cars ever to leave Detroit are the challenge of a 500-mile run. This is a once-a-year classic, the World Series of stock car auto racing. This race and others like it have become the nation's greatest testing ground of automobiles and accessories. And 13 makes of cars are ready to meet the challenge of the mile and three-eighths track, the fastest stock car racing arena in the world. There's plenty of stories about the first Southern 500 in 1950. One of the most intriguing is about the winner of that first race, Johnny Mance. Mance was a stuntman and part-time race car driver who had been in Darlington for several days leading up to the race looking for a ride with no luck. Since NASCAR was going to sanction its first 500-mile race at the Darlington Raceway, Bill France figured he'd better get into town early. So he, Alvin Hawkins, Hubert Westmoreland, and Curtis Turner all posted up at the Darlington Motel, which served as race headquarters. On the way into town, the crew decided that an extra set of wheels might not be a bad idea to help with transportation and running errands around town. So they went to a local Plymouth dealer and picked up a two-door sedan and parked it out front of the motel. They made countless trips back and forth to the Elks Lodge in Florence going to get food, and sometimes a little bit of uh, liquid refreshment for the crew. It hauled so many people around for different reasons that it earned the nickname the Little Black Taxi. Now, Johnny had seen this car parked outside of the race headquarters, so the day before the race, he walked in and inquired about the whereabouts of the Little Black Taxi. The response he got was that it was on an errand, not uncommon for the car. Man said, well, when it gets back, let me know, because I'm going to drive that car in that race tomorrow. Johnny's nickname was Madman Mance, and everyone in the HQ must have thought he was crazy to race that little six-cylinder Plymouth against the monster V8s that made up the field. Oh, and by the way, there were 74 cars that he'd be going up against. Side note, that's not even the largest field. 82 cars started the 1951 Southern 500 a year later. So Mance was a lot shrewder than his nickname might imply. He looked at that Darlington sandpaper asphalt, and he figured tires would be the key to winning the race. And that if he averaged about 75 miles an hour, not only would his tires last, but so would his Plymouth. 
Here they come. The race is on. The front runners wore away, leaving a dust and bit filled tornado as they head for the first turn. And boy, did his plan work. The big V8s blew past Johnny lap after lap as he slowly made his way around the oblong oval. When they had to stop to get tires and fuel, he just gained ground. If a big V8 crashed or broke down, bringing out the caution, old madman Mance would pull into the pits for tires and service. Well, to make this long story a little bit shorter, about six hours and 39 minutes after the green flag fell, Johnny Mance in that little black Plymouth won the race by nine laps over second-place Fireball Roberts. The crowd on the main straightaway is on its feet as he wins the first Southern 500 going away. I wonder what that race Chuck would get on Jeff Gluck's Was This a Good Race poll. Nine laps. I'd vote yes. Johnny Madman Mance took home $10,510 hairs in prize money all the way back to Hollywood. Because of its newfound notoriety, that little black taxi was entered in several races over the next few months, this time with Southern 500 winner painted on the side. Leon Sales won with it at North Wilkesboro, then flipped it at Martinsville. In a race at Charlotte in 1951, Bill Holland flipped it again. Hubert Westmoreland kept the wrecked car in his yard for several years until he decided to restore it in the late 1960s. Since 1971, the Plymouth has been sitting in a place of honor in the Darlington Museum. Y'all should go check that out. And as for Madman Mance, he made 12 starts in the NASCAR Grand National Division, recording one win, four top fives, and eight top tens. But the first winner of the Southern 500, Johnny Mance. And there you have it. That's Corey Stories. All right, guys, real quick. Jackpot races. Who are we going with this week, Chuck? All right. Best finish out of Group 1, you've got Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott at Darlington. Who you take? Uh, Har- uh, Hamlin is Hamlin is uh, has Hamlin? a feel for Darlington. That's So this is it. This is the win. Yeah. This is it. Okay. We're yeah. taking the win. Group 2, best finish, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, Alex Bowman, or Kyle Busch. I think Kyle Busch is on a roll. We're oh, going with him. We're going Toyotas back to back. All right, in group three. This will be the final one we do here. Group mm-hmm. three, Ryan Blaney, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and Christopher Bell. I think Tyler Tyler Reddick is going to get that darling stripe going. Uh, he mm-hmm. ran well there last year, but low low down force, high horsepower this weekend. I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, Tyler Reddick. I think AD, the guy came in second there uh, last year, uh, almost had Harvick. So... I think I think I'll take uh, AD on that one. So we're going RCR heavy in that last chat. Yeah, we went Toyota Gibbs heavy in the first one, and yeah. then RCR for that that because uh, I did not disagree with your first two picks. Yeah, I'm going on the record as saying that. And now we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, yeah. So you you taking Denny to win? Yep. It breaks the streak. I like it. Yep. I think that's what we're going to go with. And there you go, guys. Go check out Jackpot Races in the App Store. You, you can, can win, win some money. Win some money. It's free, guys. And you know what you can do? You can reach into your pocket right now and see if you've got any uh, loose change jingling around in there. You could because Before we, 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 we got to wrap this thing yeah. up. Got I got some uh, retro stuff to shoot this weekend running. A Allen Kowicki Zerex scheme, guys. Stay what? tuned. It's going to be so sweet. Uh, I know it's been a little bit of a wait, but uh, stay tuned in from Instagram this week. Really excited to run that. Darlington Throwback is one of my favorite races of the year. Go check out all the paint schemes on NASCAR.com. All the throwback paint schemes are there. For sure. And we lost two friends of the sport this past week. Our thoughts and prayers are with Eric McClure and his McClure family, as well as Bobby Unser, the all-time Pikes Peak 
13-time winner as well as multiple-time NASCAR and IndyCar winner. So uh, two friends of the sport passed away. Godspeed to those guys and more thoughts and prayers with their family. And thank you again for joining us here on Stack and Penny. <laughs>